guys. Uh, my name is Oscar Ye, and I'm a new American. And I immigrated to California two years ago. And I'm now the UCLA MPH student, second year in the health policy and management degree. So I am, I mean, as a new American, it's really a, a, a way to think differently from from Taiwan and um, in the States. So today I, it's my pleasure to invite Dr. Sunny Ho, who is a um, practicing MD in Taiwan and who, host, who also had experience back in uh, early June, January, um, about who also had uh, experience about fighting COVID-19 in Taiwan. So let's welcome Dr. Sunny Ho. Hi, Oscar. It's really an honor to be here to share my experience in fighting COVID in Taiwan. I personally also had uh, a little bit of educational background in the United States, which is a Master of Public Health in the United States, like what you are doing right now. Um, yeah, we're in so the same degree, in the same program, right? Right. And it's also, so it's pretty excited for me to be able to collaborate with you and talk about COVID. And also maybe, you know, listening to what you think about American response to COVID. Yeah, that's fun because we both have both Taiwanese and United U.S. background, both in educationally or in the clinical side. So right. it will it will be a fun day today. Okay. So yeah, let's hit the first point. Let's, let's go to the first question. Mm -hmm. I mean, as a as a new American or as a as a, as an experience in the, in the states, I mean, we see a lot of different things about like how people react to the COVID nineteen pandemic and how the government react to that. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I want to talk about is about, about cultural differences between the two nations. We we both know that we we both hear about something like collectivism and individualism among the two different nations or different right. uh, cultural. Yeah. And I can say that as a Taiwanese, we are more obeying to like centralized government rules, mm -hmm. mandates. But in the States, you can see that there are a lot of different voices in the very first beginning. Yeah. Right. So what are your thoughts about that? What's the difference? Well, um, the so-called collectivism and individualism, the boundaries between these two has not always been super, super clear. It's a gray zone. And not just Taiwan, but also China, Japan, Korea, and many Asian countries, we are, we have this feature, a collectivist feature that people are generally more, um, respect, respectful to, to what authority says or mandates. And in COVID-19, for example, the mask policy, after Taiwanese government mandated that all Taiwanese people, um, whenever you go to public places or if you are taking um, public transportation, it's mandatory or obligatory or you're going to get fined to wear masks. And when you are going into public places, there are usually people there spraying alcohol mm -hmm. on your hands to rub your hands and mm -hmm. clean your hands. Um, so people pretty much appreciate these approaches and pretty much obey um, this government policy, like what you just said. Yeah, that's an interesting talk. You know, um, when we grew up in Taiwan and we are really like comfortable about what what a government tells us to do, right. to wear a mask and then yep. you do it, what the teachers tell you to do something and you, you do it. Mm -hmm. But in the States, you know, even before, especially before the mm. CDC announces that everyone should wear a mask, mm. um, when somebody says that you should wear a mask, it's really a lot of voices uh, around them. People say that maybe mm. wears are, masks are not useful or right. 
masks are only for sick people, but uh, it's it's uh, I think it's a collective uh, idea for Taiwanese people who has the idea to support and protect each other. Right. That's what I what I see observe as a Taiwanese. Hmm. But in the states, we I, I think it's not true to say that not wearing mask is a is a not wise thing. Hmm. But I want to say mention a little bit about because American people American people are educated to be hmm. advocating for themselves and mm-hmm. to speak up for themselves to think what what they think is right. A more individualistic approach or ideologies. Yeah, that's that should be the word to be used. But yeah, I think that's my observation in the states, and um, that's really fun. That's there's a lot of interesting thing behind that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, usually uh, I appreciate the you know when I was in American classroom, um, people usually. Spoke out their own thinking, their mindsets, their ideas mm-hmm. from their uh, individual perspectives, but considering the consequences of the pandemic and you know the seriousness it's getting, um, the individualism in the United States has been, I would say, probably posing a certain a certain amount of threat. To to public health. Yeah, that's what I. That that's a great point because public health is is the, is the point of um, collectivism and it's a it's a it's a point of seeking the most majority's health as a first priority. Right. But it's not rather rather than treating individualism in, in individual health. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so right now the COVID pandemic is a really great lesson for public health and for the challenges that a government or a, a centralized government or either different state government like the it states, is. how they react and how they put policies mm-hmm. toward the pandemic. So yeah, do you have any thoughts about cultural difference when they are in implementing different policies? Right. What, what are your thoughts about that? Um, so we just mentioned, I just mentioned that people pretty much appreciate government's policies. Mm-hmm. So we wear masks, we clean our hands, and we pretty much obey government's policy. Yeah. But even before Taiwanese government mandated that people have to wear masks, even before that, you can see that restaurants started to have uh, plastic transparent shields or plates yeah, in between like, seats, yeah. even before government mandated that. Mm-hmm. So you can see that people respect government policy um, to the extent that even before it's mandated, people started to implement the new approaches right away, especially in metropolitan area like Taipei City and Kaohsiung mm-hmm. City. So I think uh, according to also comparing to what you just said about uh, what you observed in California, right? right? Um, there is a big difference, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's really interesting to be able to uh, to observe the two different nations' responses and the differences among among people culturally or even other policy levels. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would say that's an interesting topic. And um, yeah, I think that's it for for the first section. All right. So moving on to our section two or second question, we briefly talked briefly talk about, about cultural differences. But right now we want to talk about a little bit about healthcare capacity and how different nations, how you, you, United States and Taiwan has different, um, either the public health capacity mm-hmm. or how the healthcare um, insurance policy are leading different results or outcomes of the health uh, COVID pandemic. Mm-hmm. So as we know that the US has uh, reached more than uh, 10 million cases 
confirmed cases and more than uh, 200,000 deaths uh, mm -hmm. as of today. Um, so that was a pretty, still a pretty messy, or let's say not a really well controlled. But um, let's see how how, how how is Taiwan doing differently in, in cases or deaths? Well, yeah, thank you for the question. Statistically, if you compare the numbers, um, well, let me just briefly give you the numbers um, of Taiwan's uh, situation right now. So far, from January to today, which is in November, mm -hmm. the confirmed cases has reached almost, uh, I mean, still less than 600 and only seven deaths. Mm -hmm. That's uh, the death rate is lower than the world average. Um, and the recovered cases has reached over um, 90%, I mean, probably over 95% of the cases have already recovered. And now, there are only about 50 active cases mm -hmm. in Taiwan uh, who has contracted COVID-19. That's still very amazing. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, regards to the cases, but we also learned about uh, about dealing with COVID pandemic. We also need different testing capacity or mm -hmm. testing kits are leading very different outcomes. So how is Taiwan doing? Uh, we learned that the U.S. has been... In enhancing their testing capacity a lot mm. and uh, as of right now I, I mean from the data point um, US is having like almost four tests per thousand people so that's pretty mm. that's pretty leading the, the, the world uh, having kind of the most uh, testing capacity mm. but how is Taiwan doing? Um, so Taiwanese government has been testing anyone who's coming into the border um, specifically at the airport at the harbors and um, any place that's opening doors for foreigners or Taiwanese people to either coming or returning to Taiwan. We're testing everyone um, in that setting. But within the territory, um, the government is not testing everyone because from public health uh, point of view, there's always cost and benefit, right? So far, we are using the golden standard to yeah. test in Taiwan, which is the PCR. The PCR, okay. Um, but it's a very costly. Yeah. As you probably know, it's pretty costly. And also the sensitivity and the specificity is also not really... Right. You need to put a cotton swab into the patient's... Uh -huh. um, it's called nasal pharyngeal cavity. And take out the specimen and then send it to the lab mm -hmm. and the people um, there are technicians lab technicians doing all kinds of work right. to check if there's this gene i mean nucleic acid that they found in the specimen so it takes time and a lot of resources pretty expensive as well so the government has narrated its policy uh, why they are not doing this I guess mass testing. What, what's like, the like what's the like term? open public testing? Right, yeah. open public testing. Mm -hmm. uh, because after they weigh the benefits and the costs of open, mm -hmm. sorry, say that again. Open public testing. Open public <laughs> testing in Taiwan, we just use the word mass testing. Mm -hmm. um, but thank you for the professional term. Um, so we are not using that yet because now we have pretty low prevalence. Uh, and incidence of contracted cases, I think that's why. Um, but I think the government has been doing a great job 
in controlling the pandemic. I mean, in Taiwan epidemic. Yeah, that's a great point in in the epidemiology point of view. I mean, different nations or different countries takes different approaches. Like New Zealand or Australia, mm. they are also controlling pretty well, but they do have the let's say so-called mass testing or open public testing. Mm-hmm. But Taiwan waived the uh, cost effectiveness and decided not to do that. And right now, as of right now, we can see that the data shows that Taiwan is doing pretty good. But mm-hmm. in the so yeah, just to conclude, in the states, um, United States is testing everyone, and uh, we also learned that different nations have different testing policies. So some countries they are having no testing policy, and some countries they are having testing policy only for the symptom. Symptom individuals, or or for only specific groups, and some nations they can have、uh, open public testing that we just mentioned about、mm-hmm. to everyone, either they are symptomatic or asymptomatic. So that's what the United States is doing right now, and、uh, we learn a lot from from the epidemiology point of view, and it's also a lot of public health strategy to、right. to kind of、um, choose the. To to choose the population you want to test, or either test for all, or only test for the symptomatic individuals. So I think it's also a very good comparison when you see Taiwan and, for example, United States and what you just mentioned, New Zealand, respectively. Each country has different situations,、right. and whether to do this mass testing, it all boils down to whether the government or the country has enough capacity to do that many tests. And the second, weighing the costs and benefits. For example, Taiwan now we don't have that much prevalence,、mm-hmm. so it will be less cost-effective to do mass testing according to the government. But according to what you just say, in many places in the United States, people are. I mean, the local governments are doing this public.、Uh, I still couldn't phrase it. Open public testing. Open public <laughs> testing, right? So it's、This、very interesting、term. to see、mm-hmm. different approaches applied by different countries、yeah. or states. That's really yeah. That's an interesting thing. I think in the field of public health, we kind of learn from different international healthcare comparison, and this is one of the great、uh, lessons that we can learn from different nations、exactly. as a public health practitioners.、Yep. So yeah, let's talk about hospitalization. How、mm-hmm. is Taiwan doing? And、uh, um, yeah, how is Taiwan doing in hospitalization? Right, so very fortunately,、uh, back in two thousand three, since Taiwan was one of the places, one one of the territories that's heavily impacted by SARS. Okay, you've definitely heard of this、mm-hmm. term. I mean, this disease. If you are in public health field,、Excellent. and since then, the government has been have this plan that you know. Once an epidemic like SARS that happened, we would have enough capacity to deal with that, and that worked for SARS-CoV-2、mm-hmm. uh, or COVID-19. Basically, the government rationed the important medical resources、right. from masks to PPE to ventilators、mm-hmm. and even negative pressure ward units. So. And also,、uh, additionally, we know that Taiwan doesn't have a not a lot of cases right now. So basically, our government is、um, having enough resource and capacity to deal with、um, our condition, our situation right now. But I'm also interested to to hear what、um, the United States government is handling. Yeah, this this is a, this is a great topic because、um, one of the challenge at the very first stage in the pan- during the pandemic,、mm-hmm. the United United States was having very、uh, limited testing capacity, either、mm-hmm. testing capacity or PPE or ventilators,、mm-hmm. and that wasn't because of I. 
I would say that wasn't because of the state is not having enough um, resources, but there was just like some dislocation mm. between state government, state public health government, mm -hmm. uh, between state and the federal level public oh. health leaders. Mm -hmm. So it was because you, the U.S. Ha is having so much different, right. uh, such a different political structure oh. than Taiwan. Right. So Taiwan is, we, we learned that Taiwan is more centralized and, mm -hmm. and the public health tasking force is led by the central government. Right. But in the United States, every public health effort is led by the either county public health departments mm -hmm. or state public health departments okay. or the federal CDC or the okay. uh, White House tasking force. So, so it's less decentralized. Yeah, it's so many different uh, jurisdictions that led the public health efforts. But right, right. It's just it's just a different political structure. And how would you, what are your thoughts about the different um, healthcare system, or how how does that impact the impact the healthcare capacity? Right. Um. Good question. Actually, let me first correct my wording. I think what you just said about the United States, it's more decentralized. Decentralized. Yeah. And in Taiwan, we have more centralized approach. Mm -hmm. And ever since in January, um, the government has implemented this um, leadership in Ministry of Health and Welfare, and it's called CECC, which stands for Central Epidemic Command Center. And this CECC has very high authority led by the Minister of Health, mm -hmm. now uh, Minister Chen, that um, basically he, it's a, it's a cross ministry platform. Mm -hmm. um, you can talk to Ministry of um, Transportation, mm -hmm. Ministry of Education, and basically collaborated um, with all the departments. Not Border all, control. Yeah, but a lot of departments in That's Taiwan. Amazing. So it has very high authority to, to um, do the um, COVID prevention mm -hmm. or uh, um, you know, harm reduction approaches. And also because the collectivistic, mm -hmm. um, collectivist culture, uh, culture yeah. we just mentioned in yeah. Taiwan with this top-down, very centralized approach and this appreciation of the govern government measures mm -hmm. from Taiwanese public, I think that are the major two reasons why Taiwan has been doing a great work in fighting COVID. Um, yeah, so thanks for your insights. Yeah, great. Thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. So uh, thank you so much, Sonny, for such a great sharing about either the cultural difference among two nations and the healthcare capacity differences. So finally, we just want to talk a little bit about uh, civil liberties. Because, you know, uh, as a pandemic hit, there are a lot of public health mandates or public health measures that are actually uh, either... Um, limiting people's rights or limiting people's freedom mm -hmm. for example like quarantine or like stay-at-home orders so what do you think uh what is your what are your thoughts uh, what are your experience as a as a doctor as a uh, practicing doctor in taiwan what 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 experience did you have well as a medical doctor um i personally haven't been quarantined yet although i heard that you have some experience you can share with us later yeah. um but i personally volunteer to test the passengers who come into the border uh, at the airport uh, for several times. And I actually have to wear this, you know, uh, shells um, with masks. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, can you see that? You actually say made in Taiwan. Oh, yeah, it's a made in Taiwan made mask. In Taiwan mask. Uh -huh. That's cool. Should I let them see it? <laughs> 
Yeah, so it's um Okay. So, um yeah, so basically we have to wear PPE, mm-hmm. uh personal protective gear and all this, you know, different kinds of gears and having multiple procedures and going to our room with plastic shells uh-huh. and put our hands through that uh, plastic shells, transparent mm-hmm. plastic shells, and do the nasopharyngeal swap um, specimen collecting. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, those passengers were sent to quarantine station. Some are in hotels, some are maybe at homes, right? I- I'm not super sure but maybe yeah, you different share, levels of quarantine yeah right maybe you can share your experience being quarantined when yeah. coming back to taiwan <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah that's that's definitely a tremendous effort uh, as a physician testing or doing the testing in the in the airport and thank you so much for for your services sure. and yeah i did actually have my quarantine experience back in taiwan because i i just got back in taiwan two months ago because everything's online virtual right now and i decided to take a quick break to, to leave the States and go back to Taiwan to see my family a little bit. So I did have my two weeks quarantine um, back in back home. So as you mentioned, there are different levels of quarantine, for example. Um, the highest level will be like uh, there's a shelter, a government, governmental shelter mm-hmm. that uh, have di- every quarantine people together right. when even uh, because they have symptoms. So are in separate rooms, right? Yeah, they're in separate okay. rooms, but they're in the centralized, I mean, uh, centralized space. Mm. So they are ma- they are ma- making sure they, they won't have contacts or uh, okay. many contacts with their family or their friends. Makes sense. But different levels of quarantine, like, like us, we don't have symptoms present and when we a- arrive at the airport, okay. then we only need to quarantine at home. Mm-hmm. But it's really interesting because we got how the government track us. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know in the States, in the United States, yeah. uh, there's also a CDC recommendation for quarantine. And mm-hmm. also it's just like 14 days as, as, as well as the mm-hmm. WHO uh, recommendation. I think mm-hmm. every most of the nations are doing the same um, scientific guidelines. Yeah. But in Taiwan, um, our government... Uh, was able to track our location uh, mm-hmm. using the GPS data. Right. So we simply only need our phone number and provide the phone number to the to the border when we when we arrive at the border, mm-hmm. and they got to track our location to see if we leave our house, if we go out go out, we obey the obey the quarantine policies. So that was actually I feel pretty safe as a personal experience. I I feel I feel safe and mm-hmm. I felt very connected to my family because uh, my family still got to pick to deliver food for me uh, in this uh, social distance distance mm-hmm. um perspective awesome. yeah. yeah and also they got to we still i got to order food i got to chat with my friends on phone and videoing so everything was just i mean i i feel safe because i feel that the government was protecting us in in a comprehensive way and uh as a personal point of view i i don't think there's anything like personal informational violation or privacy violation so you had to give the government your device number and they can track you. I mean, Taiwanese government. So the Taiwanese government can track your device and know where you are um, during the quarantine period. Correct. Yeah, that's uh, that's a discussion point we are going to talk about because mm. um, it's. I think that would be um, different nations or different different countries maybe have different policies. But this sounds like a, like a, like a concept against civil right. Because right. you are sharing your information data and you're sharing your location mm-hmm. data to the either public health government or or to the government. Right. So, um, so you mentioned that you, government track your cell phone, track your smart devices, and do you feel your personal privacy was um, in some way 
compromised? I, as as a personal point of view, I don't think so. I don't feel that way because okay. uh, I I saw the Taiwanese government is saying that your private, like your personal data, is only mm-hmm. used for public health purposes. Right. Just like some like um, when you log in for something, they they will always have a warning like saying that sta- mm-hmm. statement saying that your your information will only be used for a specific purpose for mm-hmm. let's say research purpose. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I feel safe because I trust what they are doing, and um, I didn't see. Uh, we didn't see any too many things like violation about data leaking mm-hmm. in 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 as of right now. I mean, so yeah, I I don't feel that way. I guess many Taiwanese people are probably like what how you think about how you approach this issue, mm-hmm. because in Taiwan, uh, in the very beginning, I guess in uh, I couldn't remember exactly, but probably starting in February, the government started to link data from different ministries. For example. Uh, we doctors, I can know if you just got into Taiwan. Okay. Um, if you are still in this fourteen-day period quarantine period, mm-hmm. I can just uh, insert your national health insurance card into my machine, and because I'm a doctor, I have an access to a cloud system mm-hmm. that I can basically track if you are still if you just come into Taiwan and if you are still in that fourteen day quarantine period um, so basically the Ministry of Health and Welfare has the access to link the data from not just health data but also the um, border control data mm-hmm. and um, I think many Taiwanese people could pretty much accept it but what I heard from the United States that people are outrageous when they hear this idea, what yeah. do you think? Do you have have you talked to any of your American friends about this? You issue? are totally right. Yeah, at the very first stage, I was sharing my like what Taiwan was doing about sharing data, about centralizing data in mm-hmm. the in the NHI, the National Health Insurance System. Mm-hmm. They kind of have the authority to link different data to different jurisdictions, and uh, my friends heard that, and they were like so hard to imagine that how. <laughs> A government or how Taiwan can do that, yeah, right. Because you know, in the in the states, it's very, it's also it's very different structure because uh, there is no person uh, like a national ID in the mm-hmm. United States. Mm-hmm. Our identity is only classified driver's by driver's license. license or either our passport. Right. But you know, in the United States, there are so many different population. People mm-hmm. have undocumented undocumented population or mm-hmm. people who doesn't have a social security number. Mm-hmm. Um, that's making that hard to be like right. classified as Taiwan is so simply because everyone born uh-huh. as a Taiwanese has a national ID mm-hmm. so it's also a data sharing or informational uh, privacy perspective mm-hmm. because right. um, I, I mean also a linking to the cultural difference uh-huh. I mean American people care a lot about privacy and the personal data mm-hmm. so some some may argue that how should why should I share my um, health data to the county Department of Public Health right because of um, maybe they would would they be, would, would they be abusing that or would they be um, leaking my information to other other people? So it's their right to maintain mm-hmm. private about mm-hmm. their what they have, and I think that's just the different. Yeah, I think in the United States, people are generally very concerned about whether the government is handling an issue being overly paternalistic. Mm-hmm. Or the concern about big, big brother government in the United States, but in Taiwan, maybe because of the culture, the point we just mentioned um, a little bit earlier, and 
um, and, and the way usually government handle things, mm-hmm. people are generally pretty accepted about um, the pretty centralized or some people would say very dominant mm-hmm. ways of doing things. But all in all, uh, fortunately, Taiwan has been doing relatively well. Right. Um, and I personally hope this situation could continue and um, we can still keep our territory in Taiwan uh, pretty much COVID-19 free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really a great effort that we mentioned a lot about like cultural difference and uh, different government government's policies and, right. and the people, the, the citizens' responses also play a major role. Exactly. So yeah, to sum up about today, uh, what we talked about today, it's mm-hmm. really, it's really never, never a role model to be like replacing from one nation to the other. Mm-hmm. But it's always good to learn from different nations and different experiences and from learn from best practices. And also we truly hope that Taiwan is keeping as well. And mm-hmm. also we truly hope that the world can still can uh, go back to the normal life as soon as possible. That's great. That's yeah, so, a great conclusion. Yeah. So thank you so much, Sonny, for, for today. I really appreciate your time and uh, we really love having you. So... Yeah, thank you so much for our first um, podcast. Thank you. I also learned a lot from you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.